Welcome to the Value Driven Brand Podcast, where you'll learn insights on how to communicate with authenticity, deliver genuine value, and create a memorable experience across your entire customer journey, helping your business become the sought-after leader in your industry. I'm your host, Aileen Day. Now, on to the show. G'day everybody and welcome to the Value Driven Brand Podcast. I am your host Aileen Day. Welcome everyone. I hope your week so far has been an absolute blast. Today it is my absolute pleasure to have my special guest Michelle Vogrenek. She is the founder and mama bear of uh, baby brand uh, Gaia, all things baby softness and baby care and today we are going to be talking to her about how she started Gaia and how uh, she delivered a value-driven brand and what she continues to do to help businesses deliver their own value-driven brand and we're going to learn all about how Gaia became the success that it is today. Welcome to the show Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's really great to be here. I love talking about all things branding and marketing. So it's really great to be able to have a chat today, a little virtual chat, virtual cuppa. Yes. Now I have to admit, I'm a little bit jealous of the background that you've got. (laughs) Whereabouts are you? So today I'm in Belgrade. So I've moved and I have the most amazing uh, nature driven stuff around me. I'm a bit of a nature girl. So having being amongst the trees is uh, really, really lovely. I, I was love feeding that. kookaburras yesterday. That was pretty cool. Oh, how beautiful. Mm. That is so That's nice. very sharp beaks. Very sharp <laughs> beaks. I imagine. Don't they eat me? <laughs> yeah, they do. And you have it on your hand and they've got like pointy beaks and they like, yeah. Oof. Got to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Make sure they're not taking your hand off. Well, as I mentioned, you are the founder of uh, mm-hmm. baby natural baby brand Gaia. Tell us all mm-hmm. about Gaia. How did it come about? When did it come about? What was that journey for you in creating what is now known as one of Australia's well-known, most well-known um, natural baby brands? You know, I was, I had my first child and he had a skin problem. So you have get handed this little baby and you're kind of like, wow, what do I do with this? And then you're the person that's responsible for this little thing. You've not got any training in it. And then they come out in a rash. You're kind of like, what the hell is that going on? And when it gets worse to a point where you can't fix it, and you're sort of like, I'm supposed to be the one here that's making this okay. Mm. And you wake up in the morning and he's scratching little holes in his shoulders and things. So we had a problem and, and I'd spoken to quite a lot of doctors and they all kept rifling through their drawers and saying, yeah, just try this. And I'm like, yeah. what is it? What am I putting on my child's skin? I lived a natural and organic lifestyle as it is I do now. And so I, I live and breathe it. And so when they're handing me things, I was like, what's in that? I don't know. You just yeah. just try it. Well, what are my options? You don't have any. Of course I've got options. Everyone has options. No, you don't. And I'm like, mm. hmm. So frustration, I guess, led me to then sort of research into what ingredients that were problematic to use on sort of sensitive skin. 
And I discovered that a, a lot of the ingredients in baby care products were actually listed as um, potential skin allergens. So I was like, hang on a minute, how can this stuff be okay? And I decided on my, I was pregnant actually with my second child. I think I, I think when you're pregnant, you think you can take on the world. So I was like, what? <laughs> yes, so I, off I went and did a, a skincare blending course and went, why? And I sort of started making up little things to go in Josh's bath and it started to work. His skin started to settle down and I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. And I spoke to other mums and they were saying, my sister's brother's got it. My mother's cousin, everybody knew somebody that had sensitive skin or eczema at the time and they yeah. were saying, oh, we need something. So I, I set about doing a little bit of a market analysis and went, you know what, there's only a couple of other sort of brands out there. They're way up there in price and mm. they weren't helpful to my son's skin. So off I went on this little journey of making all this stuff and it it just took off. It was just something that people wanted and needed. And, and it just, from there it went. So this little business that I thought, I'm going to work around my kids. You know, they are rocking in the background. <laughs> Next minute. Never happened. <laughs> Which is great because it was, <laughs> it's really nice and it's led me to where I am now. But that's basically how things started. And then I saw a uh, commercial chemist and said, how do I make this? you know, viable commercially. Mm. And it all went from there and started out on foot and going into pharmacies with a big belly, big pregnant belly at the time. And, and um, yeah, made my way out out there, out there, out in the big bad world. So, and created this amazing brand. Wow. That is amazing. Mm. And is it true that you started uh, creating said brand in your son's kitchen? Yeah, so I started, um, and I'm not very good at making it, to be honest. It took me a, quite a lot of effort, but I started to make herbal potions. So I did a skincare blending course and I studied aromatherapy and, and sort of started putting things together and, and they, it, it just started to work. You, you make like making a cake. You, you yeah. need all these different facets to make it work and learning and understanding, you know, you need a humectant, you need an emulsifier, you need all these different um, parts to make mm. the cake amazing or well, the skincare amazing same as making a cake you make jelly I make jelly different you yeah know? so I wanted to make sure that the, the cake I made for skincare was um, was actually going to help skin and not just about marketing or what ingredients were trending at the time yeah I tell you what I wish it was around when I was a child I suffered <laughs> Oh, I suffered abhorrently from eczema as a child. I remember Ouch. spending my, I want to say my 16th birthday yeah. in the hospital, covered oh. head to toe in eczema and yeah. to the point where I couldn't have anything touching me. And um, the height of humiliation was uh, it was so bad that doctors and nurses kept walking into the room where they had uh, had me kind of resting. I don't yeah. quite know what they were planning on doing with me. I don't think they quite knew either. And um, nurses and doctors kept walking in and saying, oh, we've heard about your eczema. Can we, can we have a look? Look? And, yeah. And I was <laughs> like, an experiment. Um, okay. And then here I am, 16, like, a 16 year old girl already potentially hates my body whatever and yeah. uh, all these strangers because I was naked under the sheet 
because I, I just oh, no. have my eczema was so bad I couldn't have anything touching it like directly contacting with it and they just like lift up the sheet and they'd look up and down my body and they'd go oh oh yeah and they just drop the sheet and walk out and I'm like what? are you gonna do anything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I was a little bit of a sideshow but um oddly enough when I moved to Melbourne uh, my parents took me to a naturopath and nice. um, after about 12 months of seeing the naturopath mm. and getting acupuncture and swallowing some of the most abhorrent, <laughs> disgusting <laughs> potions, it was, it was vile, um, my eczema disappeared. And, um, mm. yeah, so it was an interesting, interesting time. But I've, I've pretty much had eczema since I was as long as I can remember. I remember my parents putting, um, they were at such wit's end as to how to fix it. I remember them yeah. putting, um, someone said to them, uh, put baking soda into a paste yep. and, and uh, you know, smear it on her patches yep. of eczema. And um, I remember laying down on my stomach and they did it on the backs of my knees and my next memory was just screaming because yeah. it was so bad that the bicarb soda just felt like it was burning me. And my poor parents, they were just, they just didn't know. There was nothing on the shelf. There was no, there was nothing. As you said, there was chemicals galore, but the chemicals would make it worse and aggravate it even more. And, um, it really wasn't until I became nearly an adult that I kind of grew out of it. So to have a brand like yours that mitigates children or even adults having to suffer like that is just so beautiful. And um, I must say when I had my own son, <laughs> uh, his father and I were a little bit nervous that he was going to get my skin. And Most uh, mums are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, and he, he did a little bit, but not too much. But uh, Gaia was our go-to. Like, that was in the bath. You know, there was, there was no... Makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, there was no question. And it got to the point where, even though I didn't suffer from eczema the way I used to, I still didn't have, yeah. um, you know, the, the skin that I would like. And I even got to the point where I was like, hang on a minute, why aren't I using this? <laughs> A lot so of I, I now also use it and still do use it myself and, and I love it. I think it's one of the most beautiful yeah. products you can put on your body. So I'm curious to know, you know, you start this product for your baby. Mm -hmm. It starts to help him. You start mm -hmm. getting it out into pharmacies. Mm -hmm. What's that journey look like for you when you start to think, huh, we're getting some traction here. It's really interesting you say that. You touched on it a minute ago where people come into a hospital or and they go, huh, what's that look like? Oh, okay, that's great. And they just go. And you're like, and that happened with so many parents. So for us, one of the, the key areas of um, our customer journey was education. So we spent time educating the buyer of the pharmacy Oh, the great. maternal child health nurses, mm -hmm. the hospital system. We actually ended up 
with our own uh, maternal child health nurse that used to actually go out there and educate. And this wasn't about endorsement and it wasn't about getting them to sell our product. What it was about was when someone came in and said to them, my child has eczema, my child doesn't like this. They mm -hmm. had answers. What product do I use? How can yeah. I go about it? So we provided a professional booklet that was actually given to, back then it was a booklet, probably now it would be online. <laughs> so it was a professional booklet and we spent time educating those people that were in the, the roles of offering advice to mums. Mm. And the mum space is such a, such a niche industry and I, I don't think people really understand the mum industry like those that are in it. And, and I know that from speaking to various marketing companies that wanted to do, that's a whole nother story, but, but it is a very clicky little, and, and they, they're like bears. Mm -hmm. they, they will protect their child. They've suddenly got this child that they're responsible for. So they want to make sure they're doing absolutely, it's quite an overwhelming industry actually. Mm -hmm. As a mum, you're like, what am I putting on the floor? And suddenly you start thinking about all the things that are important that you've yeah. probably not thought about before. So educating the, the nurses, the, the pharmacy assistants and the people that were actually talking directly to the mums, that mm -hmm. was one of the areas that I felt was really important because when I was talking to those people, they weren't giving, they weren't giving me the answers I needed. So I felt that it was really important to let those people um, give those people an understanding of our products so that they had choice. And I was very much an advocate of choice. So mums deserve to find what was the best product for them. Mm -hmm. Not a monopolised thing where the only things that were available to you were uh, what a company had the money to pay for. Yeah, I'm going to pay for the endorsement over here. We wanted to make sure that the, the nurses and all of those people had the right information. So I think education was one of the things that was top of my list. Mm. And working with those areas where you would go to first as a port of call. And I think the pharmacist ranks number three, if I look at the research I did, for the most, one or two, it's either two or three, um, most trusted source in the community. The pharmacist is actually ranked above the doctor. So when you want information, most people will go to a pharmacist over a GP. So that's what I found was really interesting. Um, so those people I felt was really important to have um, access to the information that we were offering. Not so they could push it, so they could answer questions. Yeah, be and, educated. Yeah, be educated. So that way then they had, and it was, a, I guess, about serving. This is the information we have for you. Mm. Um, you get to make informed choice. Mm -hmm. and, I had, and I had a little bit of a mantra. It's just kind of sitting over here. But my oh. mantra was that your work is not to drag the world kicking and screaming into your awareness. It, your job is to do your work sacredly, silently, and and those that had the eyes to see would follow. So it wasn't about like telling that. people, well, it is. It's about going, here's the information. Mm. Have the information. This is all the stuff we have that will help you. And if you want to come back to us, fantastic. Mm -hmm. If not, that's fine. We, we want to help you on your journey. So. Mm -hmm. It was kind of, yeah, so that was one of the first things. I love that, that education. Really important. Yeah. So at what point did you sit there and go, holy shit, this isn't a hobby. <laughs> this isn't a hobby anymore, Toto. <laughs> We're in business. Didn't take long. I think in the first 12 months I had tripled what I thought I was going to do. So I kind of thought, oh, yeah. And at the time I hear it now and I think, gosh, um, you know, I was thinking, oh, if we make $100,000 in the next two years, I'll be really happy. And 
we smashed it within three months. So in three months, we opened 90 <sighs> pharmacies and that was me out on foot. So there I was pregnant, 36 weeks pregnant with my second child, um, out on foot going into pharmacies going, this is the brand we have. This is why you should have it. And this is what we're going to do for you. So we really smashed that. And I think it was about three years in that I was like, shit, what have I done? <laughs> my husband joined me in the business at that stage, but, but he was obviously helping um, behind the scenes and we were working through it that way. But that's when I realized we actually had something tangible. That is amazing. I, um, I, I love hearing, I've come across it a few times where uh, ladies in business start with this <laughs> tiny little hobby and then you know a couple of years later their um, executive husbands are being told by the accountant mate get out of that job and go help your wife (laughs) because uh that's gonna blow up and be huge so that is that is brilliant i love that so my husband husband was sales marketing as well so we had a really handy equilibrium and I, and I remember thinking, I've got to get him into this business. How am I going to do that? And I, and I did. And I did um, so what I did was I had a presentation of the dollars and cents, got my boobs out, got my best, you know, <laughs> hey, honey, this is how it's going to be. This is what I need from us. And this is what we're going to get out of it. And he went, yeah. Here's what's in it for you. <laughs> exactly. But it was really cool. So it created that family, that, that family business. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Which really just aligns to the whole mm. kind of purpose behind it mm. in the first place, which was, you know, to look mm. after your family and their health yeah. and their well-being. So, you know, oh, that made me laugh. I got a tear in my eye. Sorry. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> watching this is going to be like, she okay? No, no, that made her laugh. <laughs> so, uh, Gaia gets huge, starts looking after lots of baby skins mm. and uh, adults, case in point. And then what happens? So I remember being at, so we launched at the Pregnancy Baby and Children's Expo, PBC Expos around Australia. And mm. I just found that that was a place for us to be able to connect with our audience, talk to mums in a space that wasn't led. So most market research that people will do in focus groups or whatever, it's very much led down a certain path and mm. and people aren't actually themselves. So yes. when we were in a situation where people just wanted to chat, I found that was the best place for us to launch and to actually connect with our audience to make sure we were giving them what they needed, what they wanted and to ebb and flow with that sort of thing. And I think after our first, my first lot of packaging was terrible. <laughs> and after that 12 month period, we then upgraded all of our packaging design and everything else to, to reflect more closely what, what our, our, our customers wanted. So staying in contact with our customers was really important to me. I wanted to make sure that we were connecting with them, not only from a, a product perspective, but also that they could identify with me. I just had a baby. Mm. So I had two children at this stage. I wasn't sleeping. My second child did not sleep. <laughs> um, all he wanted was like booby juice and no sleep. So I could identify with other mums going, when they ring me and I, and I remember, I remember this woman, oh, she gave me a hard time. She rang and she was like, oh, and you can remember we're dealing with hormonal women. Yes. So this was, again, that customer interaction was really important. And she had a crack at me because my parcel didn't arrive and I need your stuff. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm sorry. Um, 
you know, I, I'm getting there, my child's in, I'm not sleeping, and oh, fuck, I'm just doing this. And she was like, okay, it's all right, I get it. You know, they, the people identified, I didn't hide that part of my life yeah. where I was also, I went to sleep school with, with number two, and mm. I didn't hide those things from people. So they felt like we were a brand that they identified with, that there was a yeah. person behind the brand, not just a corporate company making a brand to make money. Fascinating. Hugely. And I really wanted people to know what was happening behind the scenes that I kind of got where they were at and mm. their problems. And, and I had them too. I was overweight. Still am. That's another story. You look amazing. Um, but I, I was overweight and I said to them, you know, I've got no time right now to worry about that. I'm trying to be a parent. So, you know, behind the scenes and connecting with them from an authentic perspective was really important as well. And I'm not the kind of person to, sh to kind of, try and play that superwoman power thing it may be quite unwell and i think there was a lot of, there's a lot of pressure on mums in business particularly to to play that part and you don't have to and people much prefer to see the the raw the ugly the good the bad that goes with the brand so connecting with my customer was so important and letting them know that i i actually understood where they were at i understood it when they sat there and said my child's getting the mess I understood what they, when they said to me, you know, oh, what do I need? It's like, okay, let's look at the basics and, and talking to them about their skincare routines and mm. understanding the structure of skin. And so really relating to them was something that, that I, I found I just had to do. I, I, I just couldn't lie to them. I just couldn't make shit up to sell product. It was just not how I worked. So and that I was think a really, yeah. that's a really good point is that if you're authentic and you are coming from a place of genuineness mm. and you know, you're in that position yourself, you don't need to lie. If your product is no. that good, then it will, it will yeah. do the job for you. Why? Yeah. Like why have to bullshit to sell? Because ultimately yep. you're just going to get found out if you wear you know absolutely so. and people do and it happens so we had the guy from coles the buyer from coles comes through the expo and he's looking at this product i mean i didn't know who he was because i love this stuff and i go oh awesome that's really cool what products do you use and chatting and, and he goes actually it's one of the only products my child can use and i'm like that's 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 a shame but that's that's great yeah. that we can help good you good for you um <laughs> yeah good for you <laughs> i don't know what excite me i used to get really really touched by people that say thank you so much for helping yeah. helping me that drove me that was one of my drivers and he said and he handed me this business card and said hi i'm the buyer of coles and i'm just like oh, holy fuck sorry um oops you're gonna have to put a disclaimer now <laughs> we're keeping it real <laughs> i bet i would have said even more than that <laughs> i was like and I, here I am in my, you know, standing there like, oh, yeah, uh -huh, that's really great. Yeah, no worries, thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God, how are we going to manage this and, and freaking out behind the scenes but going, you know what, that's where the people were. Yes. And we wanted to make sure that we, we were providing all these people with access to skincare, not just the ones that could afford it. Also, mm. having that conversation was a very big turning point for us. Um, so we, we sort of met with all of our our bank managers and everyone else we needed to make this happen and and Coles took it on in what they call pen link so it went in yeah. in between a review so normally they have reviews once a year mm -hmm. but he said no we have to have this product 
I've read about it. I've heard about it. Oh. I need it. We need it in our stores. And we went into, I think, like 95% of the coal stores, about 700 stores. Um, freaked me out completely. But, you know, between us, we got it done. We met with the right people and we set a strategy in place. And I think planning is hugely important. So mm -hmm. we, we put strategies in place. And then it came down to how the hell we were going to pull it off the shelf of coals. But so working through those journeys and those customer journeys was really important. We wanted them to know. You know, so Coles would say to us, right, we need you to spend 100000 on a on a, an advertising campaign. And I'm like, what? You want me to what? Um, <laughs> no, and I was like, fuck, we've got to, we've got to make this work. I, well, we, we had to operate on a shoestring. We were this teeny tiny, you know, operator with all these massive companies. And so we spent most of our time making sure that those connections were in place. That our strategy was about small often. So we made sure we spewed every little piece of information that we had across multiple platforms. And back then it was more print media than it was social. I mm. proudly say we came, we, we started before social media. For <laughs> <laughs> making sure that information was in place. You know, if you went, you were pregnant and you went to the gynecological office, mm. our information was there while you were waiting. If you were going into the pharmacy, our information was there. If you were going to... Um, the hospital to actually have an open day. Our information was there. We made sure you saw us at every single touch point of being pregnant, having a baby, or being in the baby space. So making sure that those Old school integration marketing. Absolutely. What's what is it? Eighteen touch points. Now people have to see you before mm. they'll act. So we made sure you saw us everywhere. Yeah. And it was. It was done on a shoestring. We had to make sure we were competing with these major companies without having the major company budget. Mm. So we were able to pull through. We were able to get customers on board because everywhere they turned as a pregnant person, they saw us. Yeah. And everywhere they turned as a mum with a newborn baby, they saw us. Mm. And then people would say, you're everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we are. Yeah, and we that are. was what our aim was. These everywhere little touch points and making sure that strategy was education, you know, making sure we connected with our customer. We touched and spoke to our customers. We were in constant contact with them. We worked with them via newsletters and all that side back then, no social media. But we worked through all these different facets and we had a strategy for each of those facets to make sure that they were talking to the audience in which they were intended. So talking to a maternal child health nurse, we had to talk in more professional I had to be a little more professional than my my crazy self um so we were talking to them in professional terms but because we had the research to back it we knew understood skin physiology we understood that eczema is caused by a disruption in the barrier of the skin mm. we understood that our products contained oils that would help with that uh, the, the integrity of the skin mm -hmm. and those sorts of things. We had to have very different language to each area that we were talking. Yeah. I wanted to make sure. And when we started getting staff, it was very, very important to me that, that when they were dealing with us, they had to go away with a good experience. I don't give a fruit whether they were after directions in the street or they wanted, they, and we had someone say, I can't use your products. I'm allergic to lavender. And I'm like, mate, I'm so sorry to hear that here go and speak to this company, this company and try these ones. So the experience of dealing with us always had to be good, no matter what that. it was. We were here to serve. We were here to make sure we were helping them 
irrespective of whether or not our products could. So yeah. that was kind of a very important part of our branding strategy. Yeah. And that I think creates trust. It builds that connection. Customer connection is imperative. If you don't have customer connection, you don't really have a brand. So that's what she important. just said. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, connect, got connect, to, got connect. connect. Got connect. It's all about those relationships. Yes, it is. But that drove me. I love it. Standing at an expo, there was nothing more fulfilling when someone came up, hugged me. Oh, pre corona. Had tears in their eyes and said, Thank you so, so much because my child can now actually use a bath product. And that, that was amazing. That drove me. That was what. You know, when when shit got hard, that's what drove me every time. Yeah, absolutely. I can see how as well. So we are here uh, to learn about how we as business owners and entrepreneurs and leaders in business and just leaders of our own lives, really, can go and create and implement our own value-driven brand and just listening to your business experience in creating and scaling and building Gaia the, to the point it got to and still is, um, you know, what are some of the key, yep. uh, key drivers for you when it comes to delivering a value-driven brand? You know, I, I would, I'm actually quite a strategy-driven person, so in my Oh, I, I'm dyslexic, so dyslexic is my superpower, I like to say. I like to oh. see all this shit that no one else can. And I'd be in meetings going, stop, let's have a think about this, this and this. And they'd be going, oh, fuck, I'm sure I'm here. This is going to take forever. Bloody you know, Michelle. But, I know. I was, but it was really, really important to me. It was really important to make sure that the values of the brand, I actually lived and breathed. So though was why that came through because it was a natural thing that I did. Yeah. So the values of the brand were really, really important. And when we employed um, marketing, I employed a marketing company at one point earlier mm -hmm. on in the piece who said, I can get you all of this stuff and I'll make you. And then said, right, we're going to capitalize. We're going to make you money. And I'm going, stop. And she's like, what? Stop telling me you're going to make me money. I'm actually concerned with helping parents. No, 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 no. If we go down this path, I don't want to go down that path. So I had many a fight with a marketing company and I think I took one on board and I sacked them within a month and said, no, get stuck. I'm going to do this myself. I have a background in marketing. I'm going to make it work. So sticking strong to those values and I had them written down. We, we had a vegan product. We had two products that contained beeswax. So we made sure not tested on animals was really important helping somebody we want to help them regardless of whether or not our products can that was one of the values we had i don't want to marketing bullshit people so we're not going to sit there and tell you this is the amazing thing that is going to make you look no wrinkles amazingly soft <laughs> no if you find that however please let me know <laughs> let me know too please <laughs> But we, we weren't that we weren't that company. I didn't want people to feel like we had the magic cream. We yeah. wanted to tell them if you do these steps and have a skincare routine by looking after it, like if you bathe, you moisturize. If you moisturize, you've got a, a 
you know, in nappy care. We wanted to make sure people understood how to look after their skin. So having that in place, that value. So those values were really important and those values drove everything else we did. Mm. So if you look at the, the purpose and the mission of your product, that was, that's my catalyst. So yeah. anything I did had to, sh- to shoot back to that. And if yes, it didn't, I, love that. I didn't so have to align. Absolutely. It has to align. And, and when I did put on marketing managers, they got kind of frustrated with me um, because they would go, I want to call it the award winning. I'm going, no, I look at our marketing as I would as a coffee. So if I'm having a coffee with you, Aileen, and you say to me, so talk to me about your brand, we have an award winning marketing. No one gives a shit. It's nice to have on the sidelines as a validation for the work you've done, mm. but it's a case of having that coffee with someone and going, well, this is what our products can help you with, mm-hmm. problem solving. This is the problem that you have. This is the solution that we have. Again, find a problem solution and working through that as opposed to your shampoo's killing you or the negative marketing. Fear factor, marketing no. fucking we didn't kills do any me. Of that back to over here, back to the vision and the values. Did it fit in with the mission and the values? And finding ways, once you know what they are, you've got to understand your audience. Yeah. And so many times I've spoken to, I did a lot of mentoring across the course of time for the love of it because I just loved helping people. Because you're amazing. <laughs> um, you're funny. Um, and I would say to people, stop, you know, stop trying to give people what they want or what mm. you want, sorry. So I'm telling you, you, you need it like this. No, 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 no. Understand them. What is it that you need? What is the problems that you have that I can help you with? Yeah. So really understanding your, your clientele is really, really key. And instead of having a scattergun approach, which is like shooting like this and hopefully you'll get somebody it might be a smaller audience that you're targeting, but those audiences are the ones that fit in with what you've got. They're mm. the ones that will buy from you, tell their friends and recommend you. So keeping that smaller to the targeted audience, get to know your audience. The audience is key. They're the people that are important. Yeah. And I did research. I spoke to them. I was at um, expos constantly talking to them, understanding them and, didn't matter whether I wanted them to have it a certain way. What mattered was how they wanted it to, to, to be. So, and that drove me again to make sure any product that we released fitted into mm. the value, the mission, it aligned with everything there. It aligned with what do they want? What do they need? Right. Let's fit it in there. Not what I want to give them. <laughs> let's give them what they want and need yeah. and talk to them in a way that was human. <gasps> they're really key what? points. Treat people like a human being. We are not algorithms. We are human. (laughs) Deliver a human experience. Yes, very much. I know. Goodness me. They're the the key things. I know that sounds... You're a trendsetter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know that sounds simple. So from there, I would work out how is it then that I could connect in with and we, we declined opportunities. I remember um, Priceline came to us and said, we're setting up our baby sections. We want your products. And I drilled her, much to the disgust of many people, and said, tell me, I'd like to know the statistics on what percentage the baby customers are, how you get them in store, blah, blah, blah. And she said, we're giving you an opportunity here. And I go, that's great, but I want to make sure that's successful. And 
at the moment we're still in law you were still a relatively new brand i don't think that will be successful for you because we need to pull it off the shelf more so i'm going to decline and they were like pardon yeah um, so because i'm the motherfucking price <laughs> price line those opportunities does it fit in with your values does it fit in with your audience does it fit in with where you are as a brand and if you're over here somewhere and it's a, it's an amazing opportunity can you actually service that opportunity and fake it till you make it to me is not fantastic i think you're better off working with going back to your supply chain going back so strategy is huge for me i'm a big strategist on mm. if i'm going to go to priceline how am i going to get people to come in and buy it off the shelf because in the major retailers you have a hurdle rate what they call a hurdle rate so you have to achieve a certain amount of sales per store per week to stay on the shelf and you have oh. 13 weeks to do that in mm -hmm. so if you don't achieve that in 13 weeks yeah. i don't care how much money you've put into it bye bye so Probably explains why half really, my favourite brands don't exist at Coles yes, anymore. They come and they go. They come and they go. So exactly, that's exactly right. So making sure that those opportunities again actually align with where your business is at is really mm. important too. That's really key. Um, we had several scenarios. Sorry, they make me laugh. Think about had several scenarios. One with my chemist where um, they cracked shits with us and. I did a little bit of a tactic, which probably I don't recommend you to. <laughs> don't try this at home, folks. Well, I included the buyer's email address in our website and said, if you want our products in their store, here's the buyer's name, let them know. Um, and <laughs> was banned from every My Chemist store at that time. Um, and I drove around in my car and gave them stock out of the back of my car and did all these things. So it was under the radar, but my chemists were one of the biggest suppliers that we did. Um, wow. You know, it's, yeah, prior to, I mean, obviously we've sold the business now, but prior to them, we, my chemists were one of our greatest customers and greatest advocate. So driving people in and driving demand by being authentic, providing value and not, I wasn't driven by money. I think mm -hmm. it was driven by the, the success of people and helping people. So Aligning again, back with my values of yeah. supporting people. Yeah. As I said, uh, every every uh, episode that I've recorded so far, every guest has said money is the outcome of creating yeah. a solution. It is, definitely. Of being there for people, of, you know, looking after someone other than yourself. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. you know, is nearly the, the first rule in business and uh, if you're doing it for money you won't be in business for long no it's not and, and I think I, I'm a very much a heart-centered person and and oh, you know having we've had we had babies named after Gaia because they loved us so much <laughs> um, that we were cool. can I actually <laughs> ask how did you come up with the name Gaia oh people yeah. would actually be very mad at me if I don't ask this question I think <laughs> How did you come up with the name Gaia? Well, I'm a bit of a greenie, so live and breathe the eco thing. And I was reading a book by uh, David Suzuki and Holly Dressel called Naked Ape to the Super Species. And it was talking about all the things that come together to form the earth, which is called the Gaia theory. And I had everything um, in development going, oh, my God, I've just found a name. So, and um, Gaia means spirit of Mother Earth, the Greek goddess of the earth is Gaia. And that just went... And there we go. And it rolled. As soon as I had that name, 
our launch just went ding, into place. I love that. Yeah. I it encompassed that. everything. It encompassed all those things that we were and what I wanted to achieve. That is so beautiful. I'm so glad <laughs> I asked. Here you go. Everybody <laughs> listening, now we know. Yeah. It is a very unusual um, uh, word, name. So, yes, yeah. that absolutely makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not so unusual now. So I guess one of the big things for you if you are creating a brand is to look after your IP. Mm-hmm. So back when we, we were there, that guy was not a very known thing. And luckily that we had trademarked adequately our name and looked after our IP, which is so important to the value as well as protecting your brand. And we had many, many legal battles over the course of time, which we actually won because we were well protected. Oh. And because we had a really good brand name. Yeah, it's it's really important. So do your due diligence in terms of um, your legals, your trademarking and having those in place. And, Mm. And even overseas, we had a big battle overseas, um, which we ended up conceding because it was in the US and, and the company had four other companies in legal battles over the trademark and they'd had them there for years and we just went, you know what, that's actually, I'd rather put my energy into focusing on what we do do well instead of fighting this over here. Mm. But making sure that, that your brand is protected with trademarking, proper trademarking was really important. Yeah. It'll save you with this. It's like an insurance. Mm. Yeah. It's quite funny because um, when I first started Meraki Business Solutions, Meraki was a a highly unknown name. And uh, not now. (laughs) Not now. Literally, when I registered the business name, there was two other Meraki's, two other businesses in all of Australia called Meraki something. And yeah. so I was like the third Meraki something in Australia. And for about the first three years, people would say to me consistently, Aileen, you need to change your business name. Nobody knows what Mer- Meraki is. And I said, well, then let me it's educate you. And mm. uh, last year, year before, I had to renew my registration. Yeah. And um, there is pages and pages and beautiful meaning tell me your meaning meraki is a greek verb and it means to do something with love and passion and creativity (laughs) yeah and to put a piece of yourself into everything that you do absolutely and being half greek (laughs) so we've got the greek goddess of the earth fits well Uh, yes and uh yeah and the love and passion and creativity beautiful thing so beautiful so you mentioned before you've uh you've sold uh Gaia now what are you doing oh um I'm trying to work out what my next passion is so I at the moment I really enjoy helping other people with their strategies their branding goal setting planning and actually implementation of their small businesses I've some clients at the moment that are in the mum space. That's the mm-hmm. space I know like the back of my hand. So being able to talk to them about how, you know, that side of things. And when, you, when you're a mum in business, I know the mum business better than any other industry. And when you're a mother in business, you're juggling so many balls mm-hmm. and people get really worn out and they get tired. I, I had an adrenal crash um, halfway through our journey. I got really sick because I wasn't looking after me. So 
I want to inspire those people to put the right strategies in place, plan properly, do it back to your mission and your vision. Everything's got to go back to that. If it doesn't meet, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. I don't care how wonderful Mm -hmm. it sounds, Mm -hmm. shelve it. Um, Look after your health, you know, and mums are notorious for not looking after their health. So (laughs) for me, that's what I'm doing at the moment is trying to encourage mums to, well, not mums, I do with other um, clients as well and product development, help people with product development. Mm. Um, but that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Um, I'm enjoying them, loving that, watching things. I love watching things grow I and I love that. being a part of that growth. So working with people at the moment on strategies and yeah, kind of freelancing as a coach. And I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get you uh, involved in my uh, Momentum Mastermind group and uh, come and teach them a few things. That would be <laughs> yeah. what a mentor what a mentor to have the opportunity to learn from. It's amazing that I've always had mentors and I've always had um, business coaches for our entire journey. I think it's important to have that sounding board. Again, mums in business are generally isolated and COVID mm. at the moment, people small not not necessarily small business operators but solo business operators and people building businesses yeah. tend to operate in by themselves so having that sounding board accountability partners my yes the amount of times i would ring up my mentor and go oh oh my god i've got this amazing idea to go michelle does it meet the vision and the mission well, well yes but <laughs> is it on the plan that you let me justify now? that <laughs> No, it's kind of over here and I could sell ice to the Eskimo. So I'm like, so if we do this, it would be really amazing. And he's like, come back to the plan. Yeah. Okay. So, and keeping that accountability. So, you know, that accountability was really important. Um, And I really firmly believe in having a sounding board, accountability partner, someone to help you unpack shit and go, I'm thinking this is a good idea. And they go, "Mm, have you thought about this? No, I didn't actually. Yeah. And, you know, people kind of jump to do things, but there's so many facets to a business. You've got to have a look at the on-flow effects. Yes. What happens if I make a change up here to customer service to the warehouse? So having that person to bounce that off and, and say, this is how, you know, we need to understand the, the impacts mm. of the decisions we make and the on-flow effects and so that side of things. So I want to help people in that space and, and have them enjoy what they do. And, and I laugh, I think, when you and I have both done Co and Ray, and I laugh when he says, you know, um, you're going go into business to have more time. How's that working out for you? And you kind of go, yeah, it's not. <laughs> not so much. So I, want, I, want, I want people, I want mums, I want business owners to be able to enjoy what they do, to put the right strategies in place to actually manage that and, mm. and have time. And yeah. yeah, so helping them do that. I love that. That is so fantastic. And I think, you know, if anyone gets the opportunity to be coached by you or mentored by you, you know, they're, they're in a very lucky position. Uh, that is all we have time for today. But I want to say thank you so much for sharing the tactical tips that you put in place to create your own value-driven brand, uh, baby, baby, Bathing brand Gaia. It is one of the most delicious um, products I've ever put on my body. It is amazing, and my son loves it as well. Do you know? Well. Can I tell you? I, I never realised what I created until after we sold. Really? I was so knee deep in it that people would say to me at baby showers, "Oh my God, you're the Gaia lady!" And I'm like, <laughs> I think I said that yeah, to yeah. you the first time I, yeah, I knew yeah, as well. 
know. My head exploded. I was doing my thing. I know, but it, it did. It made people's heads explode. And, and then I would go somewhere and they go, but you're a normal human. Yes, I am. And what? When we, when we sold and, and when I stepped back from it was when I went, holy fuck, what did we create? And realised we created an Australian iconic brand. And, but it was strategy. It was planning. Like it wasn't an accident. It was all the things that, yeah. Anyway, I could Purposeful. go on for hours. Purposeful. Purposeful. I like that. <laughs> We're on purpose. We do it on purpose. Absolutely. Not by accident. It's not luck. <laughs> no, it's, it's smart. Not it's smart work. <laughs> yes. I don't like hard work. Thank you for having me. I like smart work. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking time out of your morning to come and chat to us. I really cannot wait for uh, this to go live and for everybody to share in your knowledge and your success and uh, all of your experience and how you've delivered that experience to your customers as well. Um, now, the one other thing I will say is, uh, as I do with all of my guests, I get them to fill out a profile um, form for me before they come onto the show. And one of the questions that I get them to answer is, what is the song that pumps them up for anything? Do you remember the song that you put down? Absolutely. Uh, Silence by Delirium, the DJ Tiesto remix is amazing. That is Every day of the week. That is brilliant. I love it. So love it. that has been added. My guests don't know this oh. until I tell them. <laughs> that has now been added to a special Alien Day official Spotify playlist. So oh, it's awesome. when this goes live, the playlist will also be available for anyone listening to download. And by the time this is all done, I tell you, we are going to have one of the most shit hot, success, value driven playlists. <laughs> there is going to be no excuse not to be pumped and ready for anything by the time you uh, press play on that, on that uh, song That sounds list. amazing. Michelle, thank you again so much. I can, cannot just show how appreciative I am of learning from you and I can't wait to um, share this with everybody else. And until next time, <laughs> stay thank tuned for, uh, for everything coming up. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Value Driven Brand Podcast with your host, Aileen Day. Is your business struggling to become known as the sought-after leader in your industry? Access our value-driven brand quiz and special three-part podcast series to identify the gaps and what you need to focus on first. Go to www.valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series. That's valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series. Tune in next time where we discuss more ideas on how you can deliver your own value-driven brand.